On today's Lockdown Royals podcast, we're going to dive into the latest CBA negotiations, what that means for the Royals, what that means for baseball, how soon can we expect baseball to return, and what rule changes and different elements of baseball do we know for sure are happening. All of this and more coming up on today's Lockdown Royals podcast on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast or Locked On Royals podcast, I should say, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to be diving into the Kansas City Royals and the CBA for baseball. Now, this will be the last CBA talk for a little bit from me until we have an actual concrete deal, which could be coming uh, sooner than later, actually. And then tomorrow we'll shift into more uh, on the field talk, because frankly, I'd imagine that the CBA talk is getting uh, boring or drug out for you, the fans and listeners. So we're going to shift away from that, unless, of course, there's an actual you know, announcement, an actual tangible thing. Uh, but I do want to just give a quick update on where we're at with the CBA today, and then tomorrow shift into on the field stuff. Uh, but thank you for making Lockdown Rolls your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Rose baseball, wherever you get your podcast from. Now I'm recording this on Wednesday, March 9th at 1 a.m. And I say that because there seems to be some legitimate traction for baseball and a deal to be done. So if you're listening to this later on today and you're wondering why, you know, some of the things I'm saying might be outdated, it's because uh, hopefully we do have this outdated in, in an information span in a good way. And we have a deal done uh, for baseball and for the Royals and for everyone involved. But uh, that's the time frame we're talking about right now as, as terms of the CBA update. And again, this is going to be the last one until we have like an official CBA or something very, very, very significant. Now tonight has been another night where there was a lot of optimism uh, last week, whenever Lindsay and uh, Mr. Neighbors did uh, that crossover, Lindsay and Josh, uh, that was so great that we put across all channels here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Um, that followed up a night of very high optimism uh, whenever there was uh, late nights and Twitter spaces and rumors from Nightingale and Heyman and Passan and uh, Drellich and Rosenthal, right? And then it all came tumbling down and they ended up canceling games and they canceled the first two series of the year, and it was in a deadlock. Well, different verse, same as the first, maybe. Hopefully it will be a uh, totally different verse, but Tuesday, the two sides met again, and yet again, it was a late night. I mean, the, the information that was like a hardcore information started leaking around, I would roughly say, 7 p.m., and from there, it went 
all the way through midnight. Uh, and it went all the way up until, you know, 1 a.m. on the West Coast and almost 2 a.m. On, uh, on the East Coast, I should say, and 1 a.m. in, in Central Time Zone. So it was fast and furious, and it looked like we were going to have a deal, you know, by the end of the night. And it resulted in baseball fans staying up way past their bedtimes like they were watching a, uh, like they're watching a West Coast swing. And instead, nothing came of it. Now, again, I'm recording this at midnight on Wednesday, so... We don't know if this is going to be another stalemate where it gets us all excited only to have us crushed and more games canceled. I think that this one is, it feels more real. The big holdup right now is the fact that the owners want an international draft and the players do not. The owners, to their credit, I know it's not popular to give the owners credit at all. They have made concessions this time and they've actually made counter proposals that meet halfway between what the owners wanted and the players wanted. Uh, on everything except for they try to sneak in this international draft. And look, you've got to do your due diligence. You've got to take your time and evaluate everything, especially if you're going to implement it to the CBA because it's very hard to get it to take out of the CBA. The big thing here, though, for me is just waiting and seeing all the information because if this lockout continues and more games get canceled and you no longer play a 162-game season and you have yet another season with an asterisk, all over an international player's draft, an international free agent's draft. After the owners came around to the numbers that are acceptable, look, this is a negotiation. We can all be rooting for the players here. I think that we all are rooting for the players here. But in rooting for the players in a negotiation, that does not mean that the players get every little thing that they want and they get every watermark that they want. You have to admit that the owners in the final hour on Tuesday came around to a more respectable mark on collective bargaining tax on player pool, things like that. So financially everything is at a respectable level where this is an acceptable CBA and you feel good about it. And you start to have the fun of this two week sprint of free agents and trades and things like that. And the shortened spring training and then the season getting underway. That's what the owners did financially. But then they try to sneak in this, this international player draft, and I just don't see that being worth holding up the season. And again, we don't have enough information on what's being proposed regarding this player draft. But from the outside looking in, you've got the international free agency turning into a draft where there's already a cap on how much you can spend you know, in international money, so to say. And you'd still be able to trade international draft picks like you can trade international money. It seems like not much would change. But I do understand from the from the union perspective, if you're just on the player side, you want the least amount of drafts, right? Players are very much against drafts because that controls where you end up playing, where you end up living, where you make your career. That, that defines your situation. For example, you know, in, in the rookie draft, right? You think that Trevor Lawrence really wanted to be in Jacksonville if he could just pick his destination? Right? Like, that's just the way that players are going to operate. They want the freedom of movement. They want the ability to do what's best for them and not be assigned somewhere. And I totally get that. I just don't, I just don't see it being worth holding everything else up. And maybe it is. 
maybe there's something in this fine print that we don't know about yet that is just awful. But if we're only waiting on a resolution to the international player draft versus international free agency, if that's the only thing holding us up, if that's the only thing holding up baseball, then by the end of Wednesday, you should have baseball back. In my opinion, you should be able to work this out as adults and have baseball back by Wednesday. This is the only issue left on the table. That's a big if. And again, we don't know the fine print because it's not been reported yet, but I am way more optimistic that tomorrow we're going to have a deal in place for baseball than I ever thought I would be. Because there's just no way that this can be the only issue that that sits on the table. But coming up, we're going to talk about what we do know about the future of baseball and what we do know has changed with the rule book and with the sport itself. And also how that impacts the Kansas City Royals. And let you know what's to come on the Lockdown Royals podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your teams. It's every day, except in the offseason. Remember, we're three shows a week, but I will have some bonus podcasts for you throughout these next couple of weeks, especially as we ramp back up, uh, hopefully, to baseball. But I do want to say right now about Mission Impossible. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible. Written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow that encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. It's called Mission Possible by Tim Tebow. It's available everywhere uh, that audiobooks are sold. It's an audiobook called Mission Possible by Tim Tebow. Go check it out. We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Royals, your first listen every single day. We are here for you talking Royals baseball. For your next listen, go check out the Lockdown MLB podcast hosted by Lindsey Crosby. Uh, it's a podcast uh, that is hosted by Lindsey Crosby. It's a baseball encyclopedia, a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deeper on the MLB stars of tomorrow than anyone else. It's free and available across all platforms, and Lindsey Crosby is in five-day-a-week mode right now as he's getting you set for the minor league season, which is going to happen, and also doing a great job covering college baseball. So every single day, you can go listen about prospects and uh, about college baseball for the upcoming MLB draft. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. Obviously, the Royals have the best prospect in baseball. Come at me, these little lists that have him at number two. He's the best prospect prospect in baseball, Bobby Witt Jr. So you're going to get a lot of talk about him as well on Lockdown and Movie Prospects. Now, What do we know for sure? Well, we know that the MLB and MLBPA has agreed to ban the shift. We know that they've agreed to larger bases, and we know that they have agreed to a pitch clock. Also, don't forget, Universal DH has been agreed to as well, and it looks like they're going to expand the playoffs between 12 to 14 teams. Uh, Likely, though, 12 teams will be the number that that the sides settle on. Let's start with the bases, because that's the kind of easiest one. It doesn't really matter. It's a funny meme to see Jose Altuve being shrunk down and laid upon the base. Uh, That's now way too big for him. But in reality, uh, there's been a lot of interesting articles written recently about kind of the studies on this, because this has already happened in the minor leagues on how it doesn't really impact stealing and it doesn't really impact base stealing and uh, things of that nature. Uh, They're bigger bases. It's you would presumably assume that it would be uh, better for players in the sense of, 
first base, not getting their foot stepped on as often and things like that. It doesn't really change stealing at all. It's just an interesting new look. And also I think it's designed to like prevent water from it to make it less slippery or something. Uh, that would be awesome too. And the pitch clock has been in uh, minor league baseball as well. And obviously if there's no spike in stealing via the uh, bases being bigger, there's also been no spike in stealing since the pitch clock's been added to minor league baseball. So uh, that was also a concern I saw from people on Twitter. Obviously nothing to worry about because we have the data from minor league baseball. Uh, now, the banning of the shift. That is a topic that I think everybody is interested in. In general, if you're going to do a banning of the shift where it's a traditional two, two players on each side of the uh, second base bag, you, you'll go to your natural position. So to say your traditional positions of first base, second base, shortstop, and third, where they usually would line up if you picture kind of little league trying to teach everybody where the positions are at. If they line up there, you would assume it's going to create more offense and, and at least get more bloop singles, which puts more people on base, which uh, can lead to more exciting and intense moments. That'd be great. But the question is how they're going to implement the banning of the shift. Like there's different ways to go about this, right? You could just say, hey, you can do whatever you want to as long as four people are on the infield dirt and only three people are on the outfield grass. If that's the case, well, not much changes in my opinion, because you can just set up on the very, very edge of the dirt and major league baseball players are usually capable of handling hot shots and uh, getting uh, in their location from that spot versus a couple of steps back in the outfield grass. Uh, but I'm interested to see what happens here. I personally love the banning of the shift. Look, I understand the whole argument of, well, they're big league hitters. They should just learn how to hit to the other side or learn how to uh, lay a bunt down and take advantage of the, of the extreme shifts. We've been doing this for how long now, folks? They haven't learned yet. They haven't wanted to yet. And at some point you have to force them to. At some point you have to cater and cave to them because look, this will make baseball more watchable and more enjoyable. In my opinion, pace of play has nothing to do with total time the game took from first pitch to last pitch. It has everything to do with time between action. And I know that if you're a baseball fan right now listening to this podcast, you're a diehard baseball fan and you understand the complexities of this game and you're one of those thinking man's game type of people. But that's just not how you grow the sport. That's not how casual baseball fans are going to observe it. Your casual baseball fans are not going to understand how a backdoor slider sets up a different pitch, right? And so they're worried about what happens from bat to ball. How long am I waiting for something to happen? A steal, a home run, a double off the wall, an RBI? Like how long am I waiting between those type of plays? Not thinking about, oh, the infield moves in half a step and uh, the pitcher is going to throw this sequence now and things of that nature. There's a spot in time for those kind of discussions. But when you're talking about growing the game, this will be this will do wonders for the game because, again, it's not about pace of play in the sense of total time. It's about pace of play in the sense of action to action. Of course, you can throw out all those examples of you know football games taking longer or just as long as baseball games. But the football games have action every 25 seconds. And... Every player has an assignment and a job and is moving on every single play. There's so much for you to look at and absorb and observe and absorb how to play. And for most people who haven't played baseball at a high level or don't, or, or, or only are just now getting into baseball at an older age and, and haven't played it yet, right? For those people, there's only so much they can do whenever you're just pitching 
you know, striking out, grinding out into the shift, and uh, every every seven batters there's maybe a home run, right? There's only so much you can do, and so I think that being the shift is a great job to grow baseball and to help baseball. The pitch clock again, not a big deal to me because I I, I understand the argument of well, if you're on if you're on first, and you want to steal second, you can just wait till the clock gets down to one. He's got to throw it home. You can just steal. We've had this pitch clock in minor leagues baseball for. I think at least three or four years, because I remember whenever it got from Oklahoma City, like it has not led to any of that. And some pitchers need to have a clock on them of get on the rubber, throw the ball. Just throw the ball. Because that's another way to increase pace of play. And again, that's action between action, not total time of the game. This doesn't really do much for total time of the game, but it does do much for first pitch to second pitch. You don't need to take your five-mile walk around the mound and then go pick your nose and toss a rosin bag and then throw pitch two and then do that all over again. You don't need to do that. And that's just useless for the game of baseball. And the DH, back in respect, DH, it's awesome. Love it. The aspect of the expanded playoffs, love that. We're going to talk about that more coming up, especially as it pertains to the Royals. But... I'm interested to see how the Royals kind of handle the pitch clock and no stealing. I mean, not no, no, no shifting and, and how their hitters perform. That'll be very fascinating to see across baseball, but especially for the Royals and we'll see, but the expanded playoffs is where the Royals really get into the conversation and really start to uh, have an interesting angle at it. We'll talk about that coming up, but first I want to say right now, my good friends over at Bill Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. Built Bar is fantastic. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, get 15% off of your next order. That's built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order at built.com. Make sure you go check it out. Folks, they have so many great flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut, coconut almond, Cookies and cream and the new flavor of white chocolate cookies and cream. So make sure you go check that out as well. And my personal favorite is that cookies and cream flavor. You're going to want to check that out. It tastes just like a candy bar, but it's a protein bar. It's great for pre-workout or post-workout or even as a meal replacement or a snack. It's fantastic. It's low calorie, high protein. It is phenomenal. Built.com, Google Lock 15, 15% off your next order. I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car ever need. Instead, you didn't really know how to type an email at that time. But the best time to change is right now. And you can figure out how to go to rockauto.com right now by typing it in to your uh, URL search. And let me tell you something. I love rockauto.com because I know nothing about cars. And I don't have to know anything about cars. All I have to know is my make, my model, my year, and then they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. That way, I'm not wasting time, effort, or money on parts I cannot use, parts I do not need. It's that simple. It's that easy. Make sure you're checking it out at rockauto.com and find all the parts your car will need with their amazing selection. Reliably low prices with the parts your car will need. Rockauto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you in the How Did You Hear on this box. We're back on the Lockdown Worlds podcast. On Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Make your second listen locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League Baseball past and present. It's free and available across all platforms. 
So make sure you go check him out as well when we're done here. Now, the expanded playoffs. At least going to go to 12 teams. Might go to 14, but I think the 14 dream by the owners is kind of dead now, and it really is going to be a 12-team expansion. Obviously, that helps the Royals. I mean, that's just clear. It makes it less cutthroat to get to the to the playoffs. It creates more uh, of an advantage for small market teams a little bit. And look, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. The Royals deserve to be judged harshly this year. They do. Dayton Moore, the organization, have set up this expectation, have said as much that this year is about making the playoffs, have made moves to where they really need to win now. And we'll see what they do in the part two of the offseason, right? Whenever, whenever that starts. But they've made it very clear. Even the mouthpiece of this organization, you know who they are, have been telling you for years that 2022 is the year to go to the playoffs. And if you don't make it in a 12-team format after you were primed to try to make it in a 16-team format, there's some hard pills to swallow about the direction of this organization. And look, maybe they miss it by a game or two. That would be fine. We, we can grade that as it comes, right? We can grade that outcome as it comes, but you can't be buried. You can't be out of it in August. You can't be out of it in July. You got to be in the thick of things until the very last day of the season this year because you've put that expectation on yourself these last three years, and baseball's also turned around and given you a 12-team playoff. So it creates a way more interesting Royals season. Way more interesting. Because you cannot have your mouthpieces leaking out there for two years now that 2022 is the year and then be outright embarrassed and be out of it and be buried in the standings when you've expanded your playoff spots. Now, we're going to talk all about this Royals season coming up. And I told you, you know, until there's an actual deal done, we're going to stray away from Bay talk and talk about the Royals because I do believe the Royals have the makeup and the pathway. Again, we have to see what moves they make in the second part of the offseason after the CBA is kind of signed with. But they have the pathway to being a very competitive team and being a playoff caliber team. And again, maybe they miss by a game or two. That's fine. We'll see where they land there. But you have to be a caliber playoff team. Maybe bad luck baseball happens. Maybe injuries happen and and you were a caliber team, but so-and-so, XYZ, missed by a game. But you got to be there. You've got to be in the thick of things. And they can absolutely do it. And so that makes the season so much interesting, you know, so much more interesting. So follow along with the season all year long on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Uh, one other CBA talk before we get out of here uh, was, you know, incentivizing teams to call up top prospects from the word go, which I think will all but ensure by what Junior is on the opening day roster. I don't want to talk too much about this today because, you know, just so much can change between what's actually signed, and what's being reported right now. But, you know, the, the tweet from Evan uh, Dilrich is that the top two rookie of the year vote getters can get a full year of service time. A team that brings up a player for opening day can net three draft picks over time, one pick per year, if that player does well in rookie of the year voting. Folks, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be top five rookie of the year, at least. He's going to probably win the rookie of the year award in the AL. So you get to make your team better from the word go, and you get three first-round picks. Three draft picks, I should say, over the course of three years. Sign me up. 
for an organization that was already teasing breaking uh, camp last year with Bobby Witt Jr. on the roster and has already begun Flay Night Foundation this year with Dayton Moore a couple weeks ago or last week saying that, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is a chance to make the roster. And again, he can talk about Bobby Witt Jr. publicly because uh, the fact that Bobby Witt Jr. is not on the 40-man roster. So he's allowed to say that. He did say that. So that would be another way that impacts the Royals in the sense of it's a no-doubter at that point to call up Bobby Witt Jr. from the word go and have him start opening day and have him play opening day on the roster. But again, we'll see where the dust settles on that. Will it be three picks? Will it be two picks? Will it be any picks? Will this actually stick in the CBA once it's actually signed and finalized? Et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully we have a deal done today. It's trending that way, it appears. But you know how things can turn in baseball world. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the infield. We're going to talk about the infield, Bobby Witt Jr., Mondesi, Nicky Lopez, Witt Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, Carlos Santana, Nick Prado. We're also going to start our ranking series, which is going to culminate, culminate did I say that word right? I don't think so. It's going to culminate in a, a roundtable with the entire division. So what we're going to do here, and we've been doing it on the Lockdown Podcast Network already for the rest of the division, we're going to rank our teams. So for me, Lockdown Royals, for uh, our other host around the network, it'll be their teams, right? We're going to rank our teams against the division. So where do the Royals stack up in starting pitching? Where do the Royals stack up against uh, other teams in field? Where do the Royals stack up in the outfield, in the bullpen, managerial even, rankings? So we're going to do all of that, all those rankings, and then have a roundtable to discuss them uh, coming up on the network uh, over the next week. So make sure you go tune in for that. We're going to start those rankings tomorrow, uh, and then we'll continue them until we're done, obviously. But tomorrow, infield talk and ranking talk, and we're going to get this puppy started with baseball talk. And then hopefully we have an emergency pod and a bonus podcast that breaks down all the little CBA nuances. So until then, be good and be good to one another.